Father, we bless your name this evening. What a great and mighty name the name of Jesus Christ is. Lord, as your prophet would say that to Jehovah of the old is the Jesus of the new. And we're so thankful, Father, we can recognize you in your past. We can recognize you in your present. And Lord, we can recognize you in your future. So we're so thankful tonight you've provided us a word, Lord. You've given us an assurance, a tie post, an absolute that we as a believer can turn to in this hour, Lord. In a wicked day, Father, we have a peace in our hearts, Lord. We have a peace in knowing that we're your children tonight. We have a peace, God, of knowing that no matter what the calamities may befall us, Lord, you're all there. You said you'll make a table in the presence of our enemies. And Lord, we come tonight to sit down at that table and ask that you would just break the bread of life with us. And Lord, you would encourage us along the road, Father. You'll speak words of life tonight. We love you, Father. We thank you for the special little Nevaeh sang this evening. We just ask that you would continue to bless our young people as they yield their talents and their gifts to you, Father. May their hearts be surrendered to you, their talents and their gifts, Lord. May you just consume us, Father. We love you now. Bless this service this evening, every aspect, Lord. May you just take the words that you have placed upon my heart. May you deliver it to every need. Lord, every heart, every soul. God, you know you've you've placed it there for a purpose. Now, may you minister, Lord. If I've done my part to study, Father, I'm inviting you tonight, along with the believer, along with those that are here to hear, Lord, we'll do our part to get out of the way and allow you to minister the words to us. So we thank you now, Father. We bless your name. Amen. You can take your Bibles and be turned to Revelations 5. If you give me just a little bit more volume, Brother Joseph, on these close monitors right here next to me, please. As many of you know, I've been out for the last two weeks, been fortunate to be able to travel with my family and don't get to do that very often when we go out and minister because of school, but worked out to where we could travel. We were at Brother Josh Golf's a couple weekends ago and had a tremendous service there with the believers. And last week, or this past Sunday, we were at Brother Bryce Collins there in Claremore, Oklahoma. We just had a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit. But it's nice to be home. It's nice to be back with you all and trust that you come tonight with a desire to hear from the Word of God. And uh, I believe that God has something special for us. Sister Abigail, it's nice to have you home with us. Welcome back. Were you here Sunday? Well, then y'all give her a hand clap of praise. She's back. They didn't keep her. So we're glad to have her back. So tonight, we just want to take our time. I want to look to the Word of God and uh, trust that something will be said. You know, as minister, you don't want to speak anything of your own accord. You want to speak what the Lord lays upon your heart. So tonight, by the will of God, we will do that. We'll turn, and we're going to look here in the entire chapter of Revelation 5. So uh, verse 1, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And behold... And beheld, and I beheld, excuse me, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, 
having every one of them harps of golden vows full of the odors, which are the prayer of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, such as in the sea and all that are, are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worship him that liveth forever and ever. You can be seated this evening. Amen. You glad to be in the house of God this evening? Yes. We were very fortunate last weekend. I got to take my mother-in-law on a trip of a lifetime <clears throat> to Oklahoma. And we got there. She was, gonna, she was excited. She was going to be able to go in and see the people and visit the church for the very first time. And Joseph got sick, so she stayed home and babysitted. Or she stayed at the place we were staying and watched Joseph while we had church. So I want to thank you, Sister Rachel. I know you was really had your heart on that, but uh, appreciate you and appreciate your testimony. If I can get a little bit more volume on these two monitors right here, that would be great. What I want to speak to you tonight on is let revival come. Now, that, that word can be taboo in the message, let revival come, because we're, we're, what we think it may sound like is we're waiting on revival to get here when we know that, we, that the bride is in her revival. She's received. So just by the grace of God tonight, give me a little bit of time to explain the thought that I have, the thought that the Lord gave me. But the word revival comes from the root word revive. Okay, and that word revive means to restore to life to regain life, to give new strength or energy to. And therefore, the word revival actually means the act or the instance of, of reviving. So it's the act or the instance of giving life. Yes. All right, are you with me this evening? Then let's all get together in one heart, one accord. Now notice here in the word revive, the, the definition has a key word that I want to speak about just for a minute. It's the word restore. Restore to life. And the word restore means to put back or to, put, or to bring back into a former or an original state. So we find that revive means to restore back. Revival is the act of reviving, which means restoring back to life. Therefore, we can say that revival tonight is the act of restoring back to the original life not the life that you had when you were born but the life that you had in the very mind of God before you ever committed a sin before you ever committed that first act before you knew anything about sin and unbelief and doubts and all the pressures of life we find the word today means the act of restoring back to the original life that God intended for you to have and so I say let revival come Come 
on, church. Let revival come. Let life come tonight. Let the word come tonight. Let it come and do more than just tantalize our flesh or excite our emotions, but let it change us. Let it empower us. Let it charge us tonight. Let revival come. Let the life of this message come tonight and excite the body of Christ. And we know that there's only one life, and that life is the life of Christ. So what we're saying is let the original life of Christ be restored to his bride. Let the original life of Christ, his original desire, his original thought of you, let it be restored to you in your fallen condition. You don't have to remain in that condition when God has sent us a word to restore us or revive us back to his original thought. So you may say, well, Brother Joe, you're scripture reading. That was kind of off base, right, Revelations 5? Well, let me just go into that. John, notice now, John, there was a cry going out. Who is worthy to take the book and the loose seals thereof? And no man was found worthy. So otherwise, John and the entire human race, they were, they were hanging over the balustrade, if we would say it. They didn't know if they were in the plan of redemption. They didn't know if they wasn't in the plan of redemption. Okay, are you with me now? So we find here there, there was a doubt, there was an unknown, but God provided a lamb that was worthy to take the book. Notice, no man was found worthy. No prophet was found worthy. No priest was found worthy. Martin wasn't worthy. Luther wasn't worthy. Paul wasn't worthy. Moses wasn't worthy. Enoch wasn't worthy. All the great men throughout the ages, none of them was worthy. William Branham wasn't worthy, but God found a worthy one that could take the book and to loose the seals thereof. God provided us a lamb. God provided us a sacrifice. He provided us a substitute. And there was only one, and the God provided the lamb. And we read that the, the lamb was worthy, and the lamb came out from around the throne, and the lamb took the book out of him that sat upon the throne, and the lamb took the book. And in, in Revelation 6, we find that the book began to be torn, the seals began to be torn off the book. And by, by this, what do we find? That the lamb was in fact restoring fallen man back to eternal life. So we can say that the opening of the seven sealed book is what brought revival to the bride. So when the lamb took the book and he opened the seals, notice now, if we go back in Revelation 5, when he took the book and opened the seals, there was a revival breakout in heaven. Well, you say, Brother Joe, I don't like, I don't like excitement. Well, you're going to hate heaven. You're not going to be at peace in heaven. Well, Brother Joe, not everybody has to act like you. You're exactly right. You don't have to act like me. I don't want you to act like me. I want you to act like God wants you to act when you come under the revival message and realize you're not dead in sins. You're not dead in trespasses. You're not who you used to be, but you're who God's called you to be. And God has sent you a message to revive you, to give you life again. Oh, I noticed how it says, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. Notice the number of them, 10,000 times 10,000, thousands, thousands, saying with a very soft and meek voice. We just want to come to church, Brother Joe. You don't have to do all that screaming. We can just praise God like this. No, they were screaming. They were shouting. They were crying out with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb. 
What about an evening like Tabernacle? Is he still worthy tonight? Is he your worthy lamb? Look what he has done for you tonight, where he's brought you from. He's worthy to be praised. And notice John, how dignified. And every creature which is in heaven heard I, John, and that was on the earth and under the earth and are there in the sea. They didn't hear me say nothing at all. No, John said everything in heaven heard him. Everything on earth heard him. Everything in the sea heard John. John realized he wasn't worthy. John realized that his, his eternal destination hung on if he was found in the book. And when there was no man found worthy, God provided a worthy one. And when he took that book and he opened the seal, John had a reason to shout. And let me tell you, church, we are the people of the book tonight. That's not a cliche. We have been, our names have been found in the pages of the book. We have eternal life. We have been revived by the revival message of this hour a revival broke out in heaven and I think if a revival can break out in heaven why can't it break out here tonight I need some more volume or my revival is going to stop real quick but we notice when people pray for revival many times what we're expecting is a great Sunday morning service or a great Wednesday night service but revival is more than a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night experience. Revival is that you're asking God to restore me back to what I was in the beginning. God restore me past my fears. God restore me past the sicknesses that ravish my body. Let me look beyond my mind battles that try to condemn me. Let me go beyond my sin and my unbelief that try to destroy me. Let me go past all the failures of my mistakes and the things I've done in my past and fill me with an inexhaustible, insatiable desire for the word. God restore me, Lord. Revive me tonight, God. More than a Wednesday night. More than a Sunday morning. Let it be a life on fire for God. And Brother Branham would say it like this in the message of third seal. He says, now Revelation 10 said in the hour and the time that the last angel, the seventh angel, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God is finished. The restoration back to the word. Notice where we're being restored to back to the word, the original word. This is not a denominational word, but it's the original word. He said, the Bible said that this message of the last days will restore them back to the original faith, back to the faith of the fathers. But you think they'd receive it? Speaking of the, the church now. No, sir. The last days, he would restore the original word again as he said in Malachi 4 that she had forfeited. Notice, the church had forfeited that word, but not the bride. He says, now she was dead in her traditions and dogmas that she missed it. Notice she was dead in her traditions and her dogmas that she missed the moving of God. He came, took on flesh, manifested himself, opened the blinded eyes and, and, and raised up the dead. And yet they missed the very coming of the word made flesh. And many have missed his coming in this hour. He said now, he says, they miss him, the living word manifested in the flesh by the word that is promised. Jesus said that the manifested word, he said now, he said to the bride or the Hebrew bride, he says, because you hold to your traditions, to you make the word of God without any effect to you. It can't be effective. You got to cut it down just a little bit. <laughs> Woo! Are y'all, is it hot out there? Not this kind of hot. It, these are hot. 
I'm scared to touch them. And we just said, we're going to get it down just a little bit more. Y'all got me on fire up here. But notice now, he says, because you hold to your traditions, you make the word of God of none effect to you. It can't be effective. So they're holding on to their own ideas or they're holding on to some man's idea or some doctrine, some, some Pentecostal doctrine or some Baptist doctrine or, or some church doctrine. And what it does, it limits the word of God. It limits the effective power of the Holy Spirit on that person in that life, in that church. And the spirit of God can't move and they can't have a revival. Because why? Because they're holding on to traditions. Right. Come down, please. He says, now we've had denominational revivals. You ask them to cut you up, they shoot you to the top. They ask you to cut you down, they take their slow time getting there. That's okay. Hey, I wouldn't try to do this without sound men. It would be horrible. We're thankful for our brothers up there. God bless you. Now, that's good. Amen. He says, we've had denominational revivals. He goes, but we haven't had a real stirring. No, 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 no. He says, now, don't think we've got revivals. We haven't. Oh, they got millions and millions and millions of church members, but not a revival nowhere. No, no. He goes, the bride hasn't had a revival yet. Now, I'm not cherry picking this and saying that the bride ain't had a revival because he preached this the third seal in 1963. He still had four other seals to go, and we know by the scriptures that the word has been restored to the bride. But he says here, now the bride hasn't had a revival yet. There's been no revival there, no manifestation of God to stir the bride. He says, we're looking for it, but it'll take those seven unknown thunders back there to wake her up again. Oh, can the church of Eden Light Tabernacle say amen to the word of God? It's going to take those seven unknown thunders to wake her up again. And let me tell you, we're not reading in a closed book. We're not feasting on a closed book. But every seal's been removed and we're feeding on an open book with an open message. That gives life to the body if you'll just take it and read it and consume it and desire the same effect of the word. Oh, yes. It will take those seven unknown thunders back there to wake her up. And he will send it. Oh, the devil says, oh, he ain't doing nothing this hour. He will send it. He promised it. Now watch. He says, now she was dead, speaking of the church. So we find that the lamb took the book and began to rip the seals off. And Brother Bam said, when he ripped the seals off the book, he handed it down to his messenger who dispersed it to his people. So he not only took the book, but he had the authority and the power to open the contents and let you see that you were part of the original plan of God. Oh, my. You know, we drag in the church. I'm guilty. You're guilty. We drag in. We've had a bad day. But, oh, if you can just see what John saw. I don't care how bad your day is being. At least you're not headed to a sinner's grave and a devil's hell. But you've been called by the word. You've been anointed. You've been elected. Your name, whoo, hallelujah, has been found in the book, church. You're going up and you're not going down. Let the revival begin to strike and let the word come. I don't care how bad your day is being. The word has been given. It has been dispersed to a body. Now it's time for that body to take that word in. And say, let revival come. Let life come. Let healing come. Let deliverance come. Let salvation come. Let it come to the body tonight. And let it change us. Revelation 10, 7, but in the days of the voice, 
of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared unto his servants the prophets. Now we believe God has sent us that messenger. And there's no longer any mysteries. Now they want to make it a mystery saying you get them gone past the Laodicean age. And that now we've got to have another messenger. No, we're no longer people that's groping in darkness. Going from one creed to another creed. One church to another church. One denomination to another denomination. Those seven thunders has already thundered out the revelation of the seals. And those seven thunders has already awakened the bride. Did you hear what I said, bride? Those seven thunders, the opening of those seven seals has already stirred her, has already awakened her, has already revived her, given her life. And that's why we can have a bride's revival, the act of restoring to the original life, not some life of the denomination, not some life of some idea of a man, but we're being restored on a daily basis by the opening of the word back to the original thought that God had for us. And he says, now if the churches, if the churches would forget their creeds and their dogmas and just take the Bible and plead the promise, then it would come effective to them. And he's speaking about the church. The spiritual bride of today, so-called the church, she takes the word of God, but she won't accept it. She accepts dogmas instead. Therefore, the word is not effective to her, see, because she tries to inject her creed or, or with the word and it won't work. Right. So you can't inject your own ideas to the word and expect it to work tonight. Right. We find here in the third seal, Brother Brown makes this statement. He says, now, in the herald of his coming, we, remember, we know what that is. That's the, the book or the magazine that Brother or Sister Moore put out. He said, here they are. They, they, they cross the headlines is we need a prophet to return. We need a prophet to return. He goes, and I guess when he does return, they won't know nothing about it, just like I said. He goes, we need a prophet to return who will bring the word of the Lord and be fearless. In other words, they're crying out for a prophet. They're crying out for the word to be restored. And yet he was there. He ate with them. He drank with them. He went on trips with them. He was his campaign manager. And yet when he was there, and he opened the blinded eyes, and he raised up the dead, and all these things, and yet they missed the very manifestation of the word for their day. But let me tell you, little bride, your eyes have been opened, and your ears have heard what prophets and sages and men have longed to hear and longed to see. Why? Because you've been anointed to have a revival, an awakening in your soul that well, you can't miss this coming because you're part of the coming. Oh, hallelujah. He goes, hey, oh, you can hardly, they hardly print anything unless it's fast and pray and fast and pray. Sound a trumpet. He goes, get it. How many reads it? You know, you see it all the time. Fast pray, fast pray. That's all you hear, fast pray. We're going to have a great breaking of the day. That's a great thing. There's a great thing that's going to happen. All of you pray now. Pray. We're not too late yet. And Brother Brown says, why do they do that? Why do they do that? He goes, they want an awakening. Notice what the church wants. They want an awakening. This is the Pentecostals. They want an awakening. They're crying, believing that they will be awakened. They're good people. But why is it? What have they done? They have not recognized the awakening of the bride. They have not recognized the awakening of the bride. 
Oh, they were fine with the signs and the wonders. As long as he was opening up the eyes and, and giving uh, hearing to the deaf and raising up the dead, they were fine with the signs and the manifestations. But when the word broke loose and he began to reveal the secrets of God, he began to reveal the opening of the seals and the very mind of God, they failed to recognize who he was because they were holding on to Pentecostal traditions. They were holding on to some dance or some jump or some emotion. But let me tell you, God ain't only in dance and shouting in emotion. He's in his word and his word is life and he sent us life in this hour to have a word born revival he goes they're being Christians they feel the pull of the hour but they haven't recognized what's been done that's what's making them feel that way they know something's supposed to happen but they're looking way off in the future for it to come when it's already happened right by you so we find in the third seal they were waiting brother Bam said there's been no stirring to awaken the bride but now he comes here and recognizing your day in 64. And he says now they have not recognized the awakening. He says when those seals were open, the book became a new book. The Bible became a new book. Because he received the life of the word. And it will become a new book to you. Why are you here tonight? Because something is stirring at your heart. Oh, we're not here just for denominational ideas and to say we, we're going to church and fulfilling our religious duties. No, we're here because something is speaking to us. Something is pulling us. Something is drawing us service after service. And they're crying, God sent us a prophet. God sent us a prophet. And God sent them not only a prophet, but he sent them the message, the seventh angel, to their day, to the, to the word for their day. And yet they missed him. He performed the same signs, the same wonders. He was making the word of God live again. And the people rejected him and pushed him off as an outcast. But what about the Oh, hallelujah. The more she saw, the more she believed. And the more she believed, the more she woke up. And when she woke up, she began to have a revival. Because why she realized, I don't have to be dead. I don't have to stay in sin. I don't have to be bound by sickness and diseases. I've been born again. He has sent me a word that's given me life. And I accept that word tonight. I accept the life of the word tonight. But the church, the church holds to her traditions, not allowing the living word to quicken her and revive her. And I wonder if many around this message haven't made that fatal mistake. Holding on to what used to be. This is how we used to do it. And are not progressing with the word. Well, the sakes. And the world's falling apart again. He says, now the church has cried the loudest. So what are you hollering about, a Messiah? What are you hollering revival in our time? Back in this and that and the other. What are you looking for to, to do it? What more do you want? What does the church want anyhow? We've already got it. When I say let revival come, I'm not saying let there be another message come that's going to open the seal. I'm saying let the life of the message that's been given, let it come to my home, let it come to my heart, let it come to my church, let it change me tonight. Let revival come. Let the life of this message come inside of me tonight and change me where I'm not just a young person, but I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God on fire for God. 
And when I go to my school, they'll see something different. When I go to my job, they'll see something different. What are they hollering, reviving in our time? Back in this and that and the other. What are they, what are they looking for to do? What more do you want? What does the church want anyhow? We've already got it. God gave it to us. It's his promise for the hour. It's his promise for the hour. We look in the Bible. We see it everywhere. Through the Bible, anointed ones come. He says, anointed ones come on and made the word live again. Right in the hour for that hour. Let me just explain to you tonight. What we saw after youth camp. Anointed ones making the word live. God had called ministry. God had anointed ministry to do what? To lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But not only that, to cast out demons. And we've seen seven manifestations of demonic encounters. And yet we've been anointed. Church, I should let you know that the power of God, the spirit of God is with this church. Because we've seen those manifestations come against this church. Come against our youth camp. And come against some of our people. And every time they came against it, there was an anointing there. Because God had anointed men to stand against it and make the word live again. And I'm here to tell you, we're here to make this word live. Not to put it on a shelf. Not to put it on our belt buckle. But to make the word come to life and that people be changed by the fire of God it's more than a cliche it's more than your favorite quote it's making this word manifest and you can't do it but the revival he sends is doing it through you notice now in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and the word is made flesh tonight Oh, God gave us the Messiah. He promised his promised word for this day. It's just waiting. Notice now. It's just waiting for somebody with faith to anoint it and make it live again. Did y'all hear that? Let me just go ahead and read that one again. If you got a pen and paper, you may want to take this down. God gave us the Messiah. His promised word for this day. It's just waiting for somebody with faith to anoint it and make it live again. Yes, sir, it's a real Messiah. It's the word of God. And I trust I'm looking at men and women tonight that will take this word and make it live again. Satan tries to come with doubt and unbelief. Somebody's going to anoint this word and say, I don't have to be bound. I don't have to be like that. Because while I've been given a word that's going to revive me. But notice now the church system, they don't want God's word because they're holding on to their traditions. See, she kept the word of God and, and, and because she held on to her traditions, she keeps the word of God from having an impact or an effect in her life. And the same now, he says, with the spiritual leave, she don't want it. She wants to keep her traditions and get away from the word of God. And let me say it like this, if you want to hang on to your traditions and you want to hang on to yesteryear, then you can't have a word revival. As long as you're hanging on to some man-made idea, some creed from some denomination, some idea from yesterday, you'll never have a real born-again revival. Because why? Because the revival is for those that are quit looking back and are looking where God is and where God's going. So we'll never experience a word revival. As long as we're holding on to ideas and creeds and dogmas. And you go to some churches. Brother Aaron, you'll get there as more than you go out. They sing one or two songs. 
take up the offering, invite the preacher. You're limited to 45 minutes. You get done. They sing one song and they dismiss. There's no altar call. There's no moving of the spirit. Because why? They put God in their little tradition box and they don't let the power of God loose among the people. Because the prophet of God said a 45 minute sermon is ideal. But what if God wanted to go 46 minutes? What if he wanted to go two hours? What if he wanted to go three hours? And you find many times after the sermon, is, the sermon is preached and you just linger in the spirit of God. As many of you get up and walk out, but God is still hanging by and he's still dealing with hearts and life. And many come up for prayer even after everybody begins to dismiss the heart of term. Because why? Because God is not contained to your tradition. God is not contained to your idea that the service is this, that, and the other. And when it's all done and we've done all that, then it's over. No, God is over when he wants to be over. And he's done moving when he wants to be done moving so take God out of your tradition box out of your creed box out of your yeah, your yesteryear ideal box and let God loose tonight and even like tabernacle that you can have a revival tonight yeah. that the spirit of God can be free to move in our midst well brother Joe I felt God move once or twice I'm not talking about feeling God move once or twice I'm talking about every time you walk through these doors you can expect a move of the spirit whether it be the your favorite preacher or not your favorite preacher. Whether it be a Wednesday night or a Sunday or a Friday or whatever day we have service. It doesn't matter. Whether you come through those doors and you're dragging. Because many times we come dragging. But yet the Spirit of God. As David, the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Word. Or in the Lord. And that's what the revival does. It encourages you that that's not who you are. But we find now the promise of the Word in the last days is brought to her. But she will not receive it because she's holding on to traditions. And you find people around this message. Oh my, they got belt buckles. That's their claim to fame. They got a big belt buckle. They're a message believer. Or they got pictures plastered all over their wall. Let me tell you, God ain't in your belt buckle. And God ain't in your pictures. God is in his word. And he don't want your belt buckle. He don't want your pictures on the wall. He wants the word in your heart. That's what God's looking for. But we find men today, if you don't get my message, you're going to hell. You're committing spiritual adultery. What kind of idea is that? Some today now trying to hold you and force you to put Brother Bantam back in the pulpit. They're going to dig him out of the grave and put him back up in the pulpit. No, they're going to take a mechanical device and push play. Holding on to some tradition. Well, I got a tradition for you. It's called a five-fold ministry for the edifying or the perfecting of the saints. How about let's stick with God's tradition of ministry? You want to hang on to a tradition? Let's stay with God's tradition of anointed men, prophets, preachers, teachers, evangelists, missionaries. Let's stay with that tradition. And let's see what God can do with that tradition. They say, well, you got to push play because God can't keep the five-fold ministry in line. They messed it up. you telling me God needs man's help to put this word and to get this bride ready for revival? I say, absolutely not. God has sent us exactly what we need for a word-born revival. He sent us anointed men. He sent us anointed teachers and anointed preachers, and anointed pastors, and gave us a prophet for this last day. We got all that we need to have a word-born revival, church. Don't let man try to tie you up with their idea. Shake yourselves from all those kind of beliefs. And let's have a revival. Life flowing back into the church. 
I look across this church and I see the revival embers are burning. We see cancer being defeated. We see alopecia being defeated. We see all kind of things being defeated. Little boy not able to walk, jump up and walk. See, devils are being defeated because there's a word-born revival that's happening at Evening Light Tabernacle. Well, let me tell you, it ain't just for the hand few or the hand pick. It's for everybody here tonight. If you'll just say, let revival come. I want my own revival. When I face my, my encounter with the enemy, I want to have a revival on the inside. Something that'll raise up and say, Satan, you can't have me. You can't have my joy. You can't have my body. You can't have my mind. You can't have me. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God or a daughter of God tonight. I don't belong to you. But how can you act like that if you've never been revived? If you've never had life come on the inside? See, church, we're not looking for another messenger. We're not looking for another message. We have everything we need for a body change. All God is looking for is to somebody to anoint the word and make it live. Brother else, somebody take this word and say, come. Revival, life, power of God, come in me and live. Manifest the same signs, the same wonders, the same power of God. Oh, church, that's what we're looking for in this hour. Notice now, what separates seed from non-seed? Brother Bram said the word does the separation. The Bible says they'll be so close that it was to see the very elect if possible. But the word is what separates. He goes, the anointed ones, only the word will separate them, not signs. Oh, no, they'll do the same signs. But the word is what separates them. That's why it's got to be a word revival. And when the seals were torn off the book, it was a word revival. It wasn't a man-made revival. It wasn't a Wesleyan revival. It wasn't a Welsh revival. It wasn't a healing revival. It wasn't a Pentecostal revival. It was God's anointed revival for this end time age, for a bride to come forth and be awake and revived by the power of God so she can take her place in her position as the bride of Christ. There was a word that was sent to awaken her up. And I believe God has sent it. And I believe we're manifest, manifesting that right now. He says, now watch this. He says, watch now, when the spiritual bride, when she begins to have a revival, when she begins to come back and line herself up with the word of God, watch then again, you see, how that the scriptures at that time, there'll be a message sweep out to catch that bride, catch that woman, the elect. When she's ready to, to, to line up and catch that word for her hour, the prophet of God said, there'll be a message sweep out. And it'll catch her. And she'll line with the word for her hour. That's why you're here tonight. That's why you drive from Arkansas. That's why you drive from all over. That's why you can't go to some other church. Because God has sent a message. God has sent a word in this hour. And you're lining up with it in this hour. He said there'll be a message sweep out to catch the bride. Catch that woman, the elect. He says now then watch again to the spiritual church. How that the group of people called out the elected through every revival. Martin Luther it happened. Same on way to the Reformation. It happened the same thing in time of John Wesley. It happened the same in the Pentecostal first started. They dropped the women right back in line with the word. And then they drifted away. 
There she goes right back over into chaos. But then the time that the people are ready to line up, there's a message comes forth and they line with it. There's a message and God today has sent us a message through a vindicated prophet. And I'm looking at a people that's lining with it. You're not going on your own idea. You're not going on some man's idea. But you're lining with the word of God. Where it says to be corrected, you're corrected. You line with it. He says, but you notice when people begin to try to line with the word, there comes a fresh message from the word of God. Right straight to the people. And they catch that message and they line up every time. That's why he sent Malachi 4 to turn the hearts of the children, or the fathers back to the children, and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Why? Because it's to catch the elect lady. See, God has sent us a fresh message to revive you from your old dead denominational ideas, your old dead man-made creeds and things of that nature. And let me tell you, church, we're not a dead, motionless church. Did you hear what I said? We're not a dead, motionless church. No, but we're a church that's on fire for God. A church that's got life in it. A church that sees signs and wonders being performed in our midst. Not one here every two or three years, but we see consistently the word of God, the moving of the spirit, the stirring of the spirit, the revival fires blowing through Evening Light Tabernacle. And you find, you hear many testimonies on the online, come back and this service helped this one and they felt the anointing on that one. Why? Because there is a revival that's going forth right out of this little church right here. People's lives are being impacted because we're not holding on to some Pentecostal idea or some Pentecostal creed. No, we're holding on to the thus saith the Lord. See, we're not part of a reformation, but we're part of a restoration to restore life. Brother Brown makes a statement. The word restore here means to return back to its former owner, to bring back to the former estate of condition. And he says, and we can enforce a claim to be restored. So you're here tonight and you're sick in body. Let me tell you, the prophet of God just said, you can tonight force a claim on the devil to be restored. If you've received this life that I'm talking about, if you've experienced the revival that I'm speaking of tonight, there should be no demon, there should be no devil of hell stand before you because you have a right through the anointed scriptures to stand on this word and say, Satan, you can't have me. You can't have my children. You can't have my body. You can't have me. I'm, you have no part with me. I'm a son of God. I've been anointed for this hour. And I'll force the claim tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. You go back to hell where you came from. Amen. He says now, Webster says restore means to bring it back to the former owner, bring it back to a former state of condition. If a claim is made on something to make that restoration, you can enforce it and make it come back to its right place. You can, Brother Mike. You can. You can tonight. Young person, you can tonight force the claim on your enemy. Depression, you can force the claim on him tonight. Rebellion, you can force the claim on him tonight. Diabetes, you can force the claim on it tonight. Cataracts in your eyes blinding you where you can't walk and see, you can enforce the claim tonight. God has given us a word for this hour to do battle with. Notice now what he says here in the message, the fundamental foundation of our faith. And let me try to hurry to get through this. He said, Adam could speak to the winds and it would stop. Yeah. He could speak to the trees and they would obey him. 
He could speak to wildlife and it would obey him. He could speak to the waters, ever what it was. Everything obeyed Adam. That's what God gave him power over. Everything on earth. But now through the fall, he lost that power. Then he becomes unconscious of the fact after losing his relationship and his friendship and fellowship with the Father, then he lost that. Then he says, what Adam was in God, Christ has redeemed us back to that. Oh, did you hear what he just told you tonight? What Adam was in God, he came back and redeemed you and I back to that. Adam had power to speak to the wind. You redeemed back to speak to the storms in your life. Adam had power to speak to the trees and they would obey him to speak to wildlife and they would obey him. And you have been redeemed, church of Eden like Tabernacle, to come back and take Adam's place and you can now speak to your storm, speak to your enemy, speak to your mouth and you can watch that thing move because why? Because you're a restored son and daughter of God. He said Adam never had to be sick, nor do you. He never had to be sick. He never had to die. He never had a worry. He never had a heartache. He never had a fear. He just climbed up in the arms of the Father just like a child. Everything was his. Whatever he asked, why, he just got it. Everything obeyed him because he was God's child, and that's the child is heir of all things. And he said, and when man fell, he lost this, and now what he lost in the fall, Christ comes back as Redeemer Did you ever stop to think what Christ redeemed us for? He gave us everlasting life. He brought us back to an eternal fellowship and relationship with God to be sons and daughters of God to restore us back all that Adam lost in the fall. He came back and restored you back to that church. I don't think you got that. Everything that Adam was, all the power, all the authority that Adam possessed before the fall, he came back in this hour through the revelation of this word and he broke those seals. And what did he do? He redeemed fallen man back to Adam's place as a son and as a daughter of God. And now you can speak. Now this is your time to speak to your enemy. This is your time to speak to your trial. This is your time to do the moving and the shaking. Because you have been redeemed back to the son, the position of sonship. Notice when Adam fell, the book went back into the hands of the original owner. No man was worthy to take the book. But we find in Revelation 10, here comes a lamb or a mighty angel come down with this book. No longer closed, it was open. And what does he do? He hands it down to John. John in type of the bride. So now this book that Adam had possession of before the fall now is being handed back to fallen man. God restoring you right back, church, to everything that Adam was. All the power, all the authority, all the might, everything you being restored back by this message. Do you believe that tonight? So God didn't provide us. Let's start trying to wrap this up. God didn't provide us a restored word for us to sit back and be idle with it. When the word came back in David's day, the ark was being restored. David just didn't go out there and sit up and watch. Oh, Brother Joe, we know what you're about to do. 
We know the story of David and the ark coming back. No, David just didn't wait. He didn't come to church and just wait. Oh, look at the ark. That's so nice. Oh, we've been waiting on this, Brother Aaron, for a long time. The ark being restored. The word's finally being restored. And nobody moves. Nobody shouts. Nobody does anything. We're so glad that the ark is coming home back in its rightful place. No, the ark was coming back. The word was coming home. The word was coming back to the people that it belonged to. And what am I telling you tonight? This word has come back to a people that it's belonged to. What did David do? David didn't look out there and just say, oh, what a nice, pretty. No, David got beside himself. David began to dance a little bit. David began to shout hallelujah. David began to have a good time. Why? Because the word was being restored. The word that had been lost from Israel from generation to generation has now been restored to the, to the Israelites. And I'm going to tell you, church, this word, this message has now been restored back to the bride of Christ through the opening of the seven seal book. We got a reason to shout. We got a reason to dance. We got a reason to have a revival. I say we got a reason. The word has come home. The word is changing us. Oh, don't be ashamed of this. Don't be ashamed to shout. The word has come home. You've been restored. You're being restored. You're being revived. A constant state of being restored to the original life. Job chapter 2. Verse 25. I know you say it. Brother Joe, you're just charismatic. Not everybody's like you. I don't want you to be like me. It'd be, it'd be a poor church, wouldn't it? But just because you don't act like me and I don't act like you, don't you stop the moving of the Spirit. You yield to it. God, you move on me the way you want to move on me. I can't be a brother Joe Adams. I can't be a brother Aaron. I can't be this brother or this sister. But Lord, however you want to move, let revival come. Let life come. Let it charge me. Let me throw my hands up. Let me shout amen. Let me nod my head. If you can't do nothing but nod your head, man, I'll tell you what, let's have a head-banging moment. Because while the word, let me tell you, denominations don't have this word. Pentecost don't have this word. The Baptists don't have this word. But you tonight, oh, hallelujah, you got this word. I said you got this word. He anointed you. He's elected you and chose you for this moment to have a revival. The word has been restored. The people of the book have come back to their place in the book. Oh, hallelujah. Joel verse, chapter 2, verse 25. I will restore. There's a promise. Maybe you're not where I'm at yet. But you got a promise. Amen. I will restore to you all the years that the locust, that depression has ate at you. And mind battles has come against you. All that the locust has eaten. A canker worm. Maybe you battle cancer. Maybe you battle heart trouble. Maybe you battle diabetes. Whatever it is. All that the locust has eaten. The canker worm. The caterpillar. 
the polymorph, my great army which I sent among you. Next verse. And ye shall eat in plenty. Revival's coming. I said revival's been promised. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Oh, you don't have another reason to want. You don't have to go to some other church looking for it. Or move another spirit. You got it right here. Because it says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord. So don't tell me you can't praise him. If you can't praise him, that means he ain't done nothing for you yet. It's a matter you just open up tonight and say, God, do something. Because I'm here to praise you. I'm here to worship you. Lord, I'm here to be restored tonight to all that the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer, and the locust is eating. Lord, let me fit that word tonight. Praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you should know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. He's reassuring you, church. You don't have anything to be ashamed of. Sisters, you don't got to be ashamed of your long hair. You don't have to be ashamed of your long dress. You don't have to be ashamed of your modesty or all these other things, not wearing makeup. You have no reason to be ashamed. Because why? Because you've been restored back to the Word. And he says now in verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now how many of you are flesh tonight? No mannequins here. No wax figures here, right? We're all flesh. I will. That ain't Brother Joe. I'll be here all night doing that. But I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also upon my servants and upon my handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Church, we got a promise of a revival. And I'm here to tell you, this is that what Joel had spoken back then. It's the outpouring today of the bride. That's why we got speaking in tongues. That's why we got the moving of the spirit. Why? because we have been promised a revival a word born revival and it's here did you hear what I said I said it's here you ain't got to look for it tomorrow you ain't got to look for it on Sunday or next week or a youth camp it's here the revival is here let revival come let the word come let life come tonight I will restore I'm going to put you back, little bride, into the very thought process that I had of you before the foundation of the world. I will restore, says the Lord. This is the restoration of the bride tree. God restores his flowers, his leaves, his nature, his seeds of the earth. Therefore, we know that God will restore also his habitation. Oh, listen to what he says here. He says, now the only way that it can never remain dead is for it to lay in the wrong place. Young people, you want a revival? Then get in the right place. Grandma, Grandpa, you want a revival? Get in the right place. Mom and Dad, you need a revival? Get in the right place. He says, the only way that it can remain dead is for it to lay in the wrong place. But if it falls in the right place, it's got to come back to life again. So God, he said, let us fall in the right channel. That's right, for a restoration. He says, God has a law that when the sun comes unto that seed, it forces the life out of that seed. And death can't hold it anymore. And tonight, 
when sons of God, seed that's been planted on the inside of your life, when you come up to that S-O-N, not the S-U-N, there's not enough demon power, there's not enough devils in hell can keep the life from coming up out of that seed. Though Satan tries to cover you up, though he tries to strike you with cancer, though he tries to smother you with depression and whatever, there's not enough dirt, there's not enough past sins, there's not enough failures that keep that seed from coming. If you only lay in the presence of the Son, you can have this life that I'm speaking of tonight. And he said, regardless of conditions, Notice, he said, I'll not suffer my holy one to see corruption, nor will I leave his soul in hell. And Brother Bam said, there wasn't enough time, there wasn't enough devils, there wasn't enough anything to keep Christ in the grave till his body began to rot. Because there was a law that went forth. And he said, I'll have a church without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle." And I'm here to tell you tonight, church, there's not enough devils, there's not enough trials, there's not enough heartaches, there's not enough hardships that you go through that can stop that word from coming to pass. There's a law that's gone forth. And there's a word to back it up tonight. Where he said, regardless how little we are, how low we are, how impure we are, how unholy we are, how sick we are, how afflicted we are, the law of God's Spirit by His Word makes it obey Him, forces the issue, give it now let's move on as I bring, in, bring this to a close. I got, well, I got till I'm done, right? Ezekiel 37, let's go there. Notice there were four messengers to aid at the tree of life, or the tree. Caterpillar, cankerworm, polymorm, and locust. Brother Bram said four messengers destroyed the tree, and he said there's four messengers of life that restore the tree. Justification, sanctification, gifts of the Spirit are back, and then the Word. And we find here in Ezekiel, we find all four stages right here. He says, Now the hand of the Lord, Ezekiel 37, verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, they were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry, dead. No life. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again, and he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. How many of you would say that tonight? Lord, let me hear the words of the Lord. He said, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring flesh upon you. And I will cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you, and ye shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Oh, there was a revival begin to break out in the valley of dry bones. Bone came back to bone. It was a bunch of cracking and popping, but something was taking place. 
He said, bone, come the bone together. And then when I beheld, lo, sinews came on the flesh, and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. They had all three stages, but they lacked the final stage, which is the stage of life for the Spirit of God quickens the body to life. And I'm going to tell you tonight, even tonight, if you're some dry bones, there's a word here that's been prophesied over you. You can hear the word of the Lord. And he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds. And he said, oh, breathe and breathe upon these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as I commanded, as he commanded me. And the breath came into them and they lived. And they stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Dry bones, dead but had a revival in a valley. You may be in a valley tonight. You may be dry and indifferent tonight. You may be justified. You may be sanctified. You may be able to shout, but you're lacking something. But I want you to know tonight, you can have that life, the breath of life. And the Bible says when that breath of life came upon them, they became an exceedingly great army. And Brother Bram would say it like this in the Restoration of Brotties. What's the four stages of Ezekiel's bones coming forth? But the life only come not when the sinew skin came was, was come upon them, but when the wind blowed upon them. That's when come back. He goes, that's when come back that fourth message of life. And I say tonight, let the winds of your spirit, Father, blow on me. Once the musicians start making their way. Maybe you're here tonight and Brother Brown gives a story, an analogy here of some, some massive pine trees in a great forest. And he was riding down with one of the brother, Brother Baxter, if I believe it was, and they were riding on horseback at night and the moon began to shine across these big trees and they were white. A burn over done come through there and there was no life in them. They come through many years ago, and he said it was very spooky, big white trees, moon shining down upon them, and, and all these trees were doing the wind, would hit against them, and they would just begin to go, ooh, ooh. And I thought, oh, my, what a spooky place. Then he said, I thought to myself, what the caterpillar and the polymer worm left, the caterpillar eating, what the caterpillar left, the locust is eating, but I will restore. I will restore, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. God's going to have a church. I will restore, saith the Lord. And Brother Brown makes a statement. He says, now, fundamentally, they were trees. Yes, they were. They were once a tree. The Methodists, the Baptists, the Presbyterian, the Moody's, they were all, all the rest of them. They were once great big towering spires. But they say the days of miracles has passed. And you find today, they say, we don't need altar calls. You find today, we don't need the Holy Ghost being preached to our young people. Find today they don't need a real revival. We just have an intellectual understanding. What is that blowing through? And I will say to you tonight, don't allow these messengers of death to eat at you. To eat at your victory. To eat at your joy. To eat at your revival. He goes, I stood there and I looked and there come a wind again, and instead of bending, they just begin to go. Instead of bending and moving with it, they just begin to moan. And oh, the days of miracles is past. There's no such thing as the Holy Ghost. And he said, I was discouraged, kind of like John was. 
I was discouraged. And I said, Lord, you said you would restore. And about that time, the wind dropped a little bit lower. And he goes, and I looked. And he goes, when I did, I noticed there was some undergrowth down there. Oh, the wind decided there was no moving up here with the old trees that were burnt over and dead. But the wind dropped a little bit lower. And there was some undergrowth down there. And he said when the winds begin to hit the undergrowth, they begin to frolic. They begin to jump. They begin to shout. They could bend with the moving of the Spirit. And I say, what about an evening like tabernacle? Won't you say like me tonight? Let the winds of your Spirit drop down a little bit lower tonight, God. And let me move with the Spirit. Let the wind of your power. Let the winds of revival begin to strike me, Lord. And let me not be starchy. Let me not be holding on to past ideas. But let me be somebody that can move with the Spirit. That can bend with the anointing. That can go where the Spirit of God is going. That can answer the same way the Word answers. He said every time the wind blows them little trees just dig a little bit deeper. They said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. These little trees throw their hands up and say, Hallelujah. They rejoice over the word for their day. But the big trees, they couldn't bend with the Spirit. They couldn't move. But the new trees were alive. The old trees were dead. That's the reason they can't bend because it's dead. But there's a new birth coming on. Hear me tonight, church. He goes, in the same joy that them old trees joyed a long time ago has come back in a new generation. I will restore, saith the Lord. When the wind goes to blowing, I can give it a yes, Lord. I believe you're the same Jesus Christ that rose from the dead. You live yet today, Lord. And the Spirit of God just sweeps it from one side of the church to the other. You may think we're crazy, but we're not. We just got life and we're flexible. I say even like tabernacle, it's time to let revival come. It's time to let the Spirit of God move from the front to the back. I don't care if you're young or old. Let the power of God move through here and let's have a revival. Let's have life come to this church. Let's have life come to your home. Let's have life come to you and your personal experience. Just play us something, Sister Lori. You just bow your heads briefly, if you will, tonight. I'm sorry that I've been longer than normal. But maybe you're here tonight. And maybe you'll say, Brother Joe, I want that word born revival. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to just hear about it. But I want the winds of His Spirit to drop down low tonight. And begin to move. I don't want just an intellectual understanding where I'm some dry bone out in the desert, some valley there, been in the message a long time, not flexible, no life in it, complain, oh, crabbed spirit. No, Brother Joe, tonight I want to revive. I want that life that you spoke about tonight. I don't want to be some burnover that can't move and bend with the winds of the Spirit. Maybe that's you tonight. You say, Brother Joe, let the winds of the Spirit blow on me tonight. You slip your hand up to Him tonight. God sees your hands. God sees your hands. Lord, help me to keep from looking back at yesterday. Lord, help me from from looking back at a past experience. Lord, let me have a fresh experience today in this service.
in this service. Let revival come. We've received our message. The bride's revival is here, church. But I want to make it personal to you tonight. You want a revival to change your home. You want a revival to change you tonight. This altar is open. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make your way to the altar tonight. Say, Lord, I want a revival. God sees you, young man. This is your opportunity. Young or old. Maybe some of you old people, you've dried out a little bit. It's okay to come to the altar. It's okay to bend and move with the Spirit. Don't be so old and so starchy and so crabbed. Say, Lord, I want a revival tonight. Let this word revive me tonight. Let it change me tonight. Let me be that undergrowth, Brother Branham talked about, that can frolic, that can rave its hands, that can bend with the Spirit. Joe tonight let revival come even tonight would there be another tonight would there be another what about some of you parents well we got kids all over this altar tonight but what about your revival what about life coming back to you tonight Many times we want to focus on our young people, and that's great. But what about your personal revival? You don't have to be ashamed, worried about what somebody's going to think about you because you go to the altar. Let revival come. Let revival come. Let life come. We're not talking about a bunch of emotion. I didn't preach to you about a bunch of emotion. I didn't preach to you about a bunch of shouting. I preach to you about life, the life of this message, the life of this word coming. Let it change you tonight. Let it change you tonight. You got a need in your life tonight? Won't you receive it tonight? And you force a claim on Satan. He's here. His spirit is here. We've already witnessed him here tonight. But can we be sincere with ourselves and say, Brother Joe, I'm ready for a revival. I want a revival. Lord Drew, I want a revival. I want to be changed from the inside out. I don't want to be cold and indifferent and starchy. But I want to move where the Spirit wants to move. I want to bend how the Spirit wants to bend tonight. Will that be you, parent, mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather? God, we give this service to you tonight. Lord, you see this altar flooded with young people. I pray, Father, tonight that you will anoint each and every one of them with that revival that they're looking for. May the fire of God, the passion of the Spirit, Lord, the life of this message flow through them, Lord, tonight. God, may you take these words that were spoken tonight and may they just speak expressly now. Impact that life, Lord. Impact that heart tonight, Father. God, we yield ourselves to you, Lord. We're so thankful for this message that you have provided us, Father, in this end time. We're so thankful, Lord, for the life that you have given, Father. 
Let revival come, Lord. May it come to our homes. May it come to our young people. Lord, our young people are about to start school again. Father, may revival come. May life come to them. That they can stand the test, Lord, those that go to public school and private school. God, may they have something, an absolute anchored on the inside that will hold them in their difficult times and their trying moments, Father. So, Lord, we just give this service to you tonight. I ask that you bless your people, Father, in Jesus' name.